This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You know, you got to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. I got to ask you about your seats. You go, you watch the Ducks throttle Nevada 77-6. How was the view? Uh, you know, so I've personally, I, I think a lot of people that listen to this probably the same thing. I've personally sat in probably eight or nine different places in Austin Stadium. Up high, down low, end zone, sideline, covered side. Not, I mean, I've I've sat literally everywhere. Okay. Uh, these particular seats, uh, I want to say, I think were section twenty three or twenty four. So you're kind of off end zone a little bit, facing the the jumbotron. I, for me, watching the game and trying to see things develop, I love the end zone seats. You 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 get such a better like you could see the right. blocks, you could see the holes open up in such a clear form, you know, which is why I know, you know, like Hithla Day and these other guys that, that break down film, they love getting all 22 because you get the end zone shots and you could see, you know, things develop. Right. And so that's why I like sitting there because you get that, that element. And secondly, you get to see the, uh, you know, the, the jumbotron, you get to see the big, the big duck vision there. So I, I personally like that side the best. That's where I enjoy sitting. We were fairly high up, row 50, 60, something like that. I don't remember, but there there literally is no bad seat in Austin Stadium. There right. just isn't. Right. 77-6, they get the win. You saw it in person. What would you like? Uh, well, I liked being able to sit in the stands and have a beer for once. I think that <laughs> since starting Scoop Duck, that's only the second time I've been able to do that, which it's great. Uh, Jacob was up there in the booth, did a, did a wonderful job. Um, you know, this week we'll have Jacob and Chris up in the booth. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go up again. There's no reason to have three people up there. Uh, I, the offense was awesome. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert, those, those early throws, you know, you're sitting there going, come on, man, seriously. I mean, there were some throws that were, that were of no fault, but his, it was Mm -hmm. clear as day. Right. And I, you know, you don't like to do that to a person, especially Justin Herbert, the way but the way i'm going to go with that is he clearly got settled in and obviously once he hit that uh that drive to breland that started things off um for the big touchdown eight straight touchdown drives after that so uh you know really like that i love the mixing of play calls it was much more unique than we've probably seen in the last year and this year so far um you know a lot of passing on first down which really oregon hasn't done much of um it was it was it was a manageable game for Herbert. A lot of those throws were definitely scripted, uh, you know, which means my my personal opinion, and I think you agree with this a little bit. Herbert has a tendency to lock onto receivers. Yes, he just does. He doesn't see the whole field that well. It's not a strength of his currently, and I think on the times where he was focused one direction and went back the other. Uh, it was scripted. Uh, you know, there was the Johnny Johnson one that, that was kind of, uh, you know, kind of like a sluggo uh, slant, uh, excuse me, a sluggo route, you know, kind of that stop and go that he went, that Johnny Johnson was wide open. That's, you know, that was, uh, you know, you could tell that was a call. And, hey, look, he's going to do this. It's going to be open, throw it in that window, you know, boom, easy touchdown. So 
Um, I think that's a really good job by the offensive coordinator managing that and setting it up. And again, I know it's a blowout. I know it's Nevada, but it's freaking tough to hold them to six points and 200 yards when your starters are out by, I would say every starter was out by mid third quarter. There was, that was the amazing part to me. Yeah. Of you, you pull the starters early in that game, mm-hmm. and you expect a drop-off. Right. You expect second string, third string, fourth string, they're going to be even with Nevada or give up some points to Nevada. Yeah. That didn't happen. No. And, and to me, that's an early sign that Mario Cristobal is building something. Yeah, that's the type of, like, exactly to your point, that's the type of game where you pull the starters out, next thing you know, Nevada, and not that it would have been a problem, but Nevada would have had 21, 24 points. You're like, how did Nevada score 20? four points on Oregon well the starters didn't they played just over half a game right um and and they didn't so like you said uh we are seeing we are witnessing the the depth being built uh and and it's guys like Mace Funa and it, you know it's the cave on Thibodeau's and the next thing you know a guy that's in backup duty is DJ Johnson I mean seriously right I have a feeling we're gonna say Mace Funa's name an awful lot yeah like as soon as he cracked the Auburn depth chart I yeah. kind of had a hunch of okay you right. could, yeah, you can see that one's building. This guy looks as good as Mario said he was going to be. Yeah. And, and now we've seen it in two games. He really does look as good as Mario told everybody. He, he does. And I think, you know, the big thing they're working on is trying to get his weight down a little bit. Uh, you know, interview yesterday, yesterday that he had, excuse me, Wednesday is, you know, he mentioned he's at 268, wants to get closer to that 255 range. I think that's just going to be perfect for him, make him shifty enough to be able to move around, drop in coverage, probably be able to swing his hips a little bit more. Um, you know, I think that's a, a really good thing for Mace Funa. So if he can get that, that those 10 pounds or so off in the next three or four weeks, I think that's going to be big for him moving forward. Uh, one thing we're trying today, mm-hmm. and you mentioned this on the boards, I love this idea, allowing open calls. Yeah. Uh, we had one, we lost one. We missed one. <laughs> I, I think it just window of opportunity. But yeah. what we're waiting on more, we're going to get some more Hopefully. on my uh, my studio line five four one seven seven two eight two five five. If you're listening in the future and you want to contribute to this another time, it's it's an interesting week to do this idea, Justin, because I know from from my seat, the uh, sports radio chair. It's hard to come up with storylines for this game. Always, yeah, yeah, always. So we get to we get to do that right now, and there's a uh, a little blinking red dot. That means we got a call on the line. I'll get that one queued up. Hey, caller, how you doing? Tell us your name and I'm, ask a question, man. Hey, this is Doug. Uh, Doug P.S. on Scoop Duck. Uh, just curious if uh, you know after watching Cal Washington last weekend, what you guys thought about our. What's our risk factor against Cal here in a couple of weeks? And just kind of overall, how do you see those two games going? And I'm happy to stay on the line and talk back and forth, too. Yeah, definitely stay on the line. Uh, you know, I'll start with Cal. You know, we had Yogi Roth on a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure you listened. Uh, you probably listened, but, you know, he, he talked about Cal being a dark horse there. And I definitely see them as, as kind of a Boise State of the Pac-12, you know, just disciplined really good at finding guys that fit their system, always kind of lying under the weeds a little bit, you know what I mean, ready to strike. Couldn't, you know, they don't really put up a lot of points, so that's going to be their Achilles right now, but yeah, that's definitely a game. I guess here's the thing. I think originally I kind of feared Stanford as, as a bigger opponent than they are. I don't think they're that good. So, 
I did have concerns about Cal kind of being like a hangover game. You know, hey, we, we're going to focus so much on Stanford, we miss Cal. I don't think that'll be the case. So I, I certainly think that kind of helps Oregon a little bit. What do you think, Matt? I, I'm not quite sure with Cal. I, on one hand, I want to say Justin Wilcox is a great young coach. They're building something real there in Berkeley. On the other hand, I wonder if the Pac-12 had just played that Seattle game on Sunday mm-hmm. instead of playing it at 3 a.m. Or, right. or whatever they did to salvage that game, I think Washington would have won. I think that some of the mistakes the Huskies made were just a matter of stamina. Right. Guys were tired. Guys weren't thinking right because it's three in the friggin' morning. You're, yeah. you're not. You're not paying attention. You're not ever prepared to play a football game at that hour of the night. Um, I think that in a in a fairer setting, Cal probably loses that game. So I, I have the Ducks taking care of Cal pretty easily. But I also think that that really showcased an, another thought of mine. Washington's not that good. Yes. I'm not saying they're bad. I just don't think they're that good. They they got the same problem Morgan does. Yeah. Right? They can be a good team this year. They could win the Pac-12 this year, but they're not going to captivate the nation this year. Right. Right. Did did that answer your question, Doug, or did you got some more? Or what yeah, you got? Well, just to, to Matt's point, I think um, – you know, Cal was dealing with the same the same hangover issue that Washington was sure. with the delay, so I'm not sure they seem to react just fine. So I'm not sure that that's a that's a, a point. I, I did think Cal ran the ball pretty well, which you know I don't we don't know what Washington's run D or defense in general how good they are or not. So I think that's an open question. But I do think I was impressed by the way Cal ran the ball at times. So that would be an area. I don't think we're great against the run right now. So I think that's an area I'm. Mildly concerned about, I guess, against Cal. Um, yeah, and then just their their defensive backfield is really good. So how well are we going to be able to get our passing game going? And I think we need our passing game going to open up our running game a little bit too. So I, I don't see us losing to Cal, but I could see it being uh, you know a little bit of a scary first quarter, maybe not scary, but uh, you know concerning first quarter, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a tight game. I you know that's definitely not going to be a seventy seventy sixer. You know what I mean? So I, I think you're you're on the right page, and I think we agree that Cal's gonna you know Cal's gonna come to Eugene and play Oregon tough, no doubt about that. And I think Justin Wilcox does a good job and understands Oregon really well. Um, if we see an Oregon like we did against Nevada offensively, I think Oregon will be able to blow it open fairly well. If they go back to being conservative, a la you know Michigan State, Auburn, then that's where I think it, it ends up being a little bit closer, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, what do you think? Of, you touched on it a little bit, but what do you think about Washington so far? Do we? Do we? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I definitely think their defense is going to be down this year. The question is how how much down? Are they going to get it together by the time we play them? Uh, it's a good question, and I don't know what to think of their offense other than uh, you know they they have a red zone problem. They've had a red zone problem at yeah. least a couple of years, and it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. I think folks are really overlooked. Like I think Salvin Hamed is is a is a good running back. I think he's a great athlete, but he is not Miles Gaskin. No. And I think people are forgetting how big of a loss that is, uh, you know, to that team personally. Uh, you know, Peterson loves to run the ball, and and he loves his system quarterbacks. And really, Eason's not a system quarterback. I think that's a guy that Oregon's <laughs> going to be able to rattle. Um, my 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 take on it, and, and and it has been since the beginning of the season, before the season started, Oregon is far superior on both lines of the scrimmage to Washington, and I think that's what's going to be the problem. Washington clearly has a problem with bigger physical 
teams. Um, we've seen them struggle against the SEC. Um, you know, I, I not that Oregon is the SEC, but I think that bigger, stronger, physical offensive line and defensive line will wear them down. I, I do believe Oregon's going – now the neutralizer – if this game was in Eugene, I think Oregon might have a chance to blow them out a little bit, but the neutralizer is this game in Seattle for me. Right, and you mentioned the goal line woes for Washington. That's yeah. a real thing, especially after last week. I look at it as a chemistry issue. So much of goal line offense is, as a quarterback, knowing I'm going to roll out to the right or yeah. I'm going to roll out to the left. i got to make something happen after my four or five seconds that my line can protect me. And my wide receivers have to improvise on the same page, like yeah. a rock band soloing, you know. And when you have a quarterback who's fairly unfamiliar with the system, like Jacob Eason, hasn't started in it until this year, I think that chemistry is a concern. And then you mentioned the offensive line uh, getting out-physicaled, out-manhandled out by Oregon, basically. If you can't get a yard on third and goal from the one you got to throw and you got to improvise yeah. so goal line against the ducks and against some of the better teams in the pac 12 that might sting them a couple games yeah and and as much as i'm not a browning fan he was definitely good at improvising that right w- that was one of his strengths and that right. will not be a strength of easons they they definitely i've always said there's two kinds of quarterbacks there's the guy that has the cannon arm and can make every throw yeah. and that is so jacob eason right and there's the guy that doesn't have those measurables, isn't big enough, isn't tall enough, can't make the throws, but he's just scrappy. Yeah. And and that's why Jake Browning ended up on an NFL roster. Yeah. You well, know, doesn't look like a good quarterback. I know we all made fun of him last year because he's not a great quarterback. Right. But he takes a hit. He's just kind of scrappy that yeah. way. Kind of Drew Brees. I mean, that's how you quantify Drew Brees a little bit. A little better arm, of course, on Brees, and he's a Hall of Famer. But he's a guy that just measurably, you don't look at him go, this is an NFL quarterback. You know, this is Justin Herbert. You know, this is right. No, it's little old Drew Brees, but guy can friggin' ball. Right. <laughs> you know. What'd you think, Doug? Is that answer some? More, Go ahead. Yeah. No, that's you know, that definitely takes so one more thought. I, I think you're right on him on Browning. I think their their fan base loves to hate on him, but he he manufactured a lot of some things out of nothings over his career there. Uh, one last one last thing. You you touched on the the Oregon line, and I, I've been a little bit unimpressed i would say about their run their run blocking i think the pass protection they're they're you know as good as it gets uh you know i would have liked to have seen us blow blow nevada off the ball a little bit more in the running game and i just didn't see that i saw you know even a couple times getting stuffed on third and one i'm talking about with starters in the game you know and you know a lot of a lot of two yard and three yard gains and you know we're obviously going to see a lot better defensive lines and i you know i'm just I'm just wondering if this is, if, you know, something we should be concerned about going forward the rest of the season is this line gets so much, you know, so much talk, but it, you know, they're not blowing people off the ball. Our, our yards per carry outside of, you know, the home run balls isn't that impressive, and even our our rushing yards in that game wasn't that impressive, especially you, with the starters in, and certainly not against Auburn. But that's Auburn, so that's a different story. Sure. No, I I I appreciate your concerns. I, I would say that they're they're definitely valid um you know the one thing i would say is they might be a, a, just a tad bit skewed you know i think oregon uh, against auburn specifically you know they they were very conservative and once auburn uh, you know oregon was running the ball very well in the first half but then obviously uh, obviously auburn figured out hey we're going to come up we're going to bring eight in the box you know and we're going to force herbert to beat us deep and he I mean, just he did, um, you know, at times, but really overall, 
it was Auburn basically challenging Justin Herbert to say, beat us deep. We're going to take our chance with that. And it didn't really come out. So, I, you know, I, I do agree some of what, with what you're saying. I think we've seen flashes of that offensive line be pretty dominant. And, and let's not forget, they will not face a better defensive line than that Auburn front seven all year. And that's even if they face Utah. Um, for sure, for sure. And I think against Utah, the game plan was, hey, let's open things up a little bit. Let's take the pressure off, uh, you know, off the running backs. Let's take the pressure off the line and let's kind of showcase something different. I think, I just think it's, you know, obviously our sample size is two games and that's what we're all going to go off of. You know, my opinion is I saw a dominant offensive or, or, or fairly dominant offensive line in the first half against Auburn. And I think if they chose to, they probably could have ran for 350 yards against Nevada if that's what they really wanted to do. I look at it schematically. The pistol is beautiful. I, I geeked out over it last year when we talked about the addition of Jim Mastro and, and, and what that means for Oregon. And I still feel very fondly about the pistol. I think it's a great system. But one of the pistol's advantages, having the running back with that deeper depth so that he can pick the right hole on his own run, I think is also one of the pistol's disadvantages. Sure. Uh, as we saw in the Auburn game, when you have a back eight or nine yards behind the line of scrimmage, it's going to take him longer to hit the hole. Sure. And that gives the defense more time to find him. Yeah. So are you are you giving up the home run shot, the 30-yard the run, 40-yard right. run, to pick up a, a three- or four-yarder? I think that might be the scenario for Oregon. Sure. They're, they're not having negative plays, but by right. their system, they're not going to have a lot of big plays. Sure. No, I, I think that's a good point. That makes sense. Yeah. It, and I think our backs aren't necessarily the best at finding finding those cutback lanes and those holes, as we've all talked about at length on Scoop Duck before. Yeah, it's real interesting. Just you know, it's not even so much to me. Uh, you know, the difference in Verdell and and Dia from a body standpoint or a weight or anything, they just both run so much differently. And and I'm just talking about styles of run. And you know, it, to me, it's just one of those things where man, you know. Do you get one guy more carries? You know, are they both the wrong fit? Just it's kind of a weird mismatch, I guess, if you will. I, I I do think, and we heard him talk about it this week. I do think a guy like Darian Felix, when he gets his opportunities, if he gets ten carries in a game, I think the staff's going to have a really tough time keeping him off the field when they see him with extended carries. Right. Just the way yeah, he I'd runs. Like to see that. Yeah, I I think this is a week where Felix gets to a little bit more run. And the staff might, I know they're high on him. It's just been a matter of injuries. They just, they, you know, they're not going to go throw a guy out there that's missed a lot of practice over, you know, two guys that started last year and haven't missed in much time. So I, I understand the philosophy from a coaching standpoint, but, you know, at some point I think Felix yeah. will have practiced enough and really earned what we're all hoping to see. I, I think he's the guy. I think he's the guy. He's one of the best all-around backs on the team. No question. I think the Stanford game will tell us more about the O-line and the running game. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, obviously Nevada and Montana really aren't going to show us much. Um, you know, you're, you're getting a half a game out of each one of your out of your starters, and I, I agree with you. You know, Stanford, Oregon goes down to Stanford. We're going to see how well they prepare for a game on the road once again. You know, if that's truly been shaken, we're going to see how they fare against a team that's relatively physical or has been physical in the past. And, uh, you know, Stanford's dinged up fairly well, so that'll be interesting too. Again, I guess coming out of Montana, we probably won't learn much from that from this game. I think the only goal is to make sure that Oregon comes out healthy once again. Because so far, I know the receivers are banged up, but so far they're relatively healthy. Otherwise, right? I I think that is such a great takeaway from these first two weeks of 
you still don't have Jawan Johnson. Mm-mm. You still don't have some of the other names in that receiving core that you'd like to have. But aside from one half of a banged up C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye back in the opener, yeah. Ducks are pretty healthy. Yeah. And and you want that heading into Stanford, no matter how bad Stanford is, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like there's a, there's a lot of question marks about that team after what they showed in L.A. on Saturday. But. I still trust David Shaw. Yes. I think he's the smartest coach in the Pac-12. And to his credit, Mario has said on the record before, David Shaw is the toughest opponent he coaches sure. against every year. So I think that's going to be a, a big game, and I think you want to be as healthy as possible for that one. Yeah, and, and I think you are. And I think you'll be relatively – it sounds like – I mean, Schooler's getting getting close. I think Pittman's getting close. I, would, I feel pretty good that Juwan Johnson probably plays next week, doesn't play this week. Um, which you don't need him this week, so don't do it. Right. Um, so I think relatively overall, I think Oregon's in good shape. Cam McCormick's just been injured the whole time, so you just kind of write that one off at this <laughs> point in time. You know, yeah. otherwise Oregon's healthy. <laughs> right. So. Okay. Well, uh, Doug, I, I really appreciate the call, man. I think we're going to let you go, and we're going to try to get one more on the line. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. All, All right. right. Thanks, buddy. That's fun. Yeah, I like doing this because the, some of the questions we get, like like this was the idea this week. I think the Ducks are going to blow out Montana. Sure. I know you think the Ducks are going to blow out Montana. There's no reason for us to spend an hour going into the minutiae on Montana. No, I mean, we could make a couple points and, you know, probably – you know, pick a couple of players at the game or something like that. But yeah, I mean, what, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> I, I can spend maybe five minutes. I know one player on Montana. Yeah. I, I could spend five minutes on Dante Olson. Right. Uh, Medford kid, local kid, probably grew up a Ducks fan. Right. His dad coached SOU and Dante played high school ball for Cascade Christian, which, you know, a lot of people don't know though. Right. A little small three, a school, maybe 200 kids. Really small. Yeah. yeah. And and about forty kids on the football team every year. Well, Dante kicked ass in high school. They practice on a baseball field. That should tell you what you need to know about the football team. I didn't even know that. Yeah, they practice at US Cellular. Oh, that's the, right. Yeah. That's right. They practice at US. <laughs> yeah, the baseball fields out at US Cellular. Yeah. Um. So Dante played there at high school. Did pretty well. Didn't get any major D1 scholarships. Sure. Ducks were like, hey, you can walk on. Same with the Beavs. So he goes, okay, I'll take a scholarship at Montana. Sure. And now he might be the best FCS player in the country. Yeah. No, it's great. I, I love those stories. And, you know, the I guess essentially he kind of – I don't want to say he took a chance on himself because I would imagine the walk-on would be taking a chance. But he said, hey, you know, I'm going to take this and see where it gets me. And, right. I mean, I – I know that rankings exist for a reason and, and, you know, you go and you look at the numbers and everybody will tell you, yeah, you know, the NFL players are, you know, filled with former four stars and five stars. Well, there's a lot of FCS kids in there too, you know, that, that get overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys just waiting for their opportunity. He's taking advantage of his. That's pretty much the only Montana angle I have. Let's get to another call. Hey, caller, uh, ask your question and tell us your scoop duck handle. Scoop gun handles Big Daddy, and uh, just wondering what you guys think about Keith Brown playing offense instead of defense. I I live in Lebanon, and, and he's a heck of an offensive player compared to a defensive player, in my opinion. That's the prospect there at Lebanon, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think uh, – I don't think it was you, Big Daddy. I think somebody else asked about Keith Brown reclassifying. 
uh, to the 2020 class. I'll get to that first, and I know you didn't ask that, but I did post on the board that he's not really looking to do that. So uh, we'll consider him a class of 21 with that in mind. And, uh, you know, I I think what probably Matt and myself see very often is that a lot of your state of Oregon preps play both ways. Right. And they're usually your best best athlete on the field, uh, regardless of which side of the ball they're on. So, you know, I think in Keith Brown's case, there's probably not much question. He's the best player on the field pretty much any time he steps on the field. Um, You know, with that much ability. The only problem is that they don't give him the ball enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, that's a coaching thing, you know, and that's uh, I'm sure that's, you know, might be by design or maybe they're trying to save him for the tougher games. I don't. I don't know the ins and outs there probably as well as you do. But, uh, you know, I think I've seen Keith. I, t- I can tell you this. I've seen Keith Brown at three different events at, uh, you know, Nike events, et cetera. And every time he's worked out at linebacker specifically and only. So I right. think to answer your question, I think, you know, coaches view mm-hmm. him as a linebacker being his best position in college. And I'm I'm guessing it would certainly seem as though, uh, you know, Keith Brown uh, believes in that and agrees with that because he's choosing a lot of times you can go to those events and play you can write down whatever you want and play wherever you want um, they'll let you but you're gonna write you know you're gonna play your best spot because you know there's scouts there and media and all that kind of stuff he's always going uh, extensively at linebacker um, yeah the one thing I want to say well, to pick a hell of a line he's a hell of a linebacker too uh, so absolutely Trust the coaches I guess huh? right I mean that's the best one of the best programs in that class every year every year and, and that talent is why yeah you, you see a kid like that when you have a a linebacker that athletic that like you mentioned hey he's great on both sides of the ball that yeah. sets the tone for your defense yeah no and he's a great kid he's a great kid too I know him personally and he, he's just a phenomenal kid he's a straight A student and I think I've said it on the boards one time last last year they were going to a camp and some kid couldn't afford to go and he paid that kid's way to go to the camp he's wow. just a, he's just that kind of kid nice no that's great to have that you know and that's one thing that you know you know I've talked about before having that kind of family and that background and that support means so much for some of these young men you see a lot of young men that don't have that and obviously things can be very difficult for them so you know credit obviously to Keith Brown and his parents of course for bringing him up uh, you know the proper way and the right way and, and trying to share uh, you know whatever fortunes they may have with others that are less fortunate that's, that's just awesome to hear yeah um yeah. and you love those stories and you know what to Keith's uh, uh to Keith's credit you know every time I've seen him at a camp you know, you, you go to these camps and, and there's big groups. So there's a big group of linebackers and there's a big group of running backs and a big group of receivers. Right. And, you know, and some kids, some kids, you know, so it's, it's a big scrum. It's not like they just put them in line and everybody gets their turn. There's kids that are constantly pushing to the front, trying to get more reps, very aggressive with that cutting in line. That's literally what they're doing, but they're doing it because they're eager to get out. Keith's one of those kids that you always find him at the front of the line. You know, some kids you kind of find hovering in the back, and they take two or three reps. We, we've talked about this before. Yeah, the, the passion that comes out, and this is something that uh, the NFL, whenever a kid gets drafted, the first word out of the coach's mouth is always, "You know, we we think he loves football." Not everybody loves football. Yeah, and and I think you see that it's that that oomph, it's that quantifying. How much do you really love football? Yeah, he loves football. No, he loves football. Yeah, and I think, I think. To take that even a step further, I think this this Oregon team currently, 
is filled with guys that love playing football. I think you're seeing that come out in practice. Right. I don't. You don't have the coaches out there having to ride these guys' butts and get them in gear and get them motivated. They're doing it on their own because they love football. You know, they're going into the film room after practice because they love football. They want to get better. And I think that's been a big transition for this football team that not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, and it shows too. It's sure fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it, it's it's cliche, but iron sharpens iron. There's no question that if you're getting pushed by the guy behind you, you're only going to get better, and they're going to get better trying to chase you. I mean, how, how many times does Mario say that? In a oh, day? he loves that one. He loves that. <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame him. That's that's a that's a Saban staple right there. Iron sharpens iron. That's a, yeah. a Saban staple. So, um, no, Big Daddy, we appreciate the call in. You you got any more questions, or did we get you handled, buddy? You handled me. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, brother. That was fun. Yeah. I meant to commend him. I know Big Daddy's the one that always posts the same gif in after one after I post the juice every every week. He's got the one of the the guy that's like falling back. It's it's pretty funny. But it, it's <laughs> never, you know, it's I love tradition. Like I love tradition, whatever it is. Like for instance on Scoop Tuck, we have on game day, you know, J Riv starts the game day thread in right. all caps. Like right. it's tradition. I mean, it's tradition in the juice. Big Daddy's always posting the same gif every single time and i love it and i loved this think about how different this world is right now uh two years ago talanoa hufanga and i mean our guy down here yeah. you know all, all the talents across the state i think about Braden Lindsay is another one that all had an opportunity at oregon mm -hmm. and then willie moves to florida state mario gets hired there's a lot of uncertainty sure they all look elsewhere and now we get to talk about in-state guys all wanting to be ducks again yeah yeah no there's no doubt and i and i don't even think you know i give willie taggart credit for this he really tried to make uh you know the state of oregon a priority he put a lot of effort into recruiting the state that is something he did as a point of emphasis i don't know that mario's done that per se maybe other than the couple guys and really i mean it hasn't been like you know, I remember Willie Taggart sent a coach to every high school in Oregon. That was one of his big things. And yeah. I mean, you think about some of those schools out in the east, you well, know, they, flats out there. They flew the helicopter down to Medford to watch Chase Cota one night. Yeah, flew that. I mean, just, you know, and I appreciate that. But, I mean, obviously what were the, you know, for all that effort, what was the results? It mm -hmm. wasn't much. Um, no. But different circumstances, coaching change, I get all that. Um, you know, I think, I think Mario just, I, I think he just kind of says, Hey, look, these are the two or three guys we want. We're going to go hard after them. I know that they do a really good job welcoming any high school or coach or seven on seven group that wants to come visit the campus. They always open up the doors. They right. always hey, come on in. They give them a photo shoot. They make them feel like a million bucks. Okay. They might not be recruiting them, but they definitely do a really good job. And I, and that pays a lot of dividends. You know, I, most of those, most of most high school coaches know when they have a dude. They know when they have a dude that could probably play at Oregon, and they know that they might have a team that doesn't really have that kind of guy. Whether they're a good team or not, they're usually pretty good about that. Coaches and are honest. They know. And so, yeah, and so it goes a long ways when, you know, that particular coach walks in and probably knows, I don't really have a dude for you, but we appreciate you letting us watch practice and, and giving us your time. Yeah. And, that you know, I think that approach is genuine and i think it you know it, it really wins a lot of people over my father was a youth football coach growing up and he always said this about that mentality you are planting seeds yeah you might not have a lot of crops tomorrow and right. you might not have a lot of crops a week from now a year from now a couple years from now but 
when you invite those teams and and to bring this full circle, talk about Dante Olson at Montana. Yeah, his Cascade Christian team is now a regular state playoff team. Yeah, and uh, the the 3A state title, their class always has the semifinals in Eugene. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have the championship game there in Eugene. And one of the things the Cascade Christian coaching staff does is they take their team to Otson for the day. Right. Yeah. And they, they take their team and show them the facilities and meet the coaching staff. And you might not find a Dante Olson this year. Right. Or two years or three years. But you build that rapport. And then the next time a talent like him visits Oregon, maybe your pitch wins out and you get a guy that starts as a walk on and then thrives for you as a linebacker. Yeah. And the way that really starts is. First off, you get the coach on your side, and then when he does have a dude, he's telling you first, like, "Hey, just so you, I got a dude. Right. Doesn't have any offers yet. Nobody's looking at him. I promise, he's a dude." Okay, cool. Thanks for putting him on a radar, you know. And then when you know they do in fact visit, you got the coach on your side already talking you guys up. You know, hey, this is a great coach. They got a great relationship. You know, those are all things that are major in recruiting that just like you said have started two or three years before that not just oh hey we have a dude by the way yeah let's get him to you You gotta plant the seeds got to but yeah no good couple callers there i mean we're after 12 if somebody calls in great i know we had one other question on the board i think it was about cam mccormick it was it was oh yeah my question is if cam mccormick isn't able to play at all this year what are the chances he gets processed out processed out as in quotation marks meaning you know (laughs) go play football somewhere else is is essentially what he's saying uh, I, I can answer that uh, this way. I can answer that this way. Uh, uh, it's incredibly unlikely ever that under Mario Cristobal they will ever process out an in-state kid unless he's an absolute terrible teammate, uh, you know, bad individual, all that stuff. That kind of weeds itself out. But, you know, it, to do that would be absolutely damaging, you know, to your reputation uh, in-state, which we just got done talking about, obviously. Um, so, you know, as far as Cam McCormick goes, he's, you know, uh, he's just unfortunately been a guy that's been injury plagued. There's, you know, there's players that do that all the time. Sometimes they medically retire. Sometimes they're able to get through it. Um, you know, I don't really have a fair answer there to say he's just, you know, he's working through some things and, um, you know, I know he's been a great teammate in the spring and been at, at any and all workouts he can be at. So, um, I don't think there's ever any reason to assume he's going to get processed out by any reason. Um, it's just a matter of him being healthy enough to play at this point. Right, right. I, I don't think the Ducks are in a position to move on from him. You need all the weapons you can get right now, and he's a weapon. He's he, just got to get healthy. Yeah, definitely at that position. No no doubt about it. Um, but, no, it looks like, looks like we got to everything. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we got to everything in that thread. And I can we talk about your threads today? Oh, yeah. You're rocking the Scoop Duck I, hat. I am. Yeah. Nike swoosh on your Scoop Duck shirt. We did. Tell yeah. me about this, man. No. I didn't even know you had merch now. No, we I, we did a, like a pre-sale order uh, just because this, I mean, this Nike stuff's expensive. I mean, I know the, you know, the, the listener, it wasn't even like I marked it up at all. It was just kind of like, all right, let me mark it up five bucks and sell it. That's, but it's Nike quality. Yeah, no, it is. It's all Nike quality. Um, the hats aren't, they're a different brand, but they're really good. Uh, Richardson, I think they're really good quality. No, we did a a pre-order um and you know sold a you know sold a fair bit of merchandise and what i'll try to do uh the next go round is is do a pre-order but i'll try and order some and have it you know have some on hand and put it on the site and be able to sell it from there but you know at this particular moment i wasn't looking to carry a bunch of inventory on 
on clothing without having that in line first. So no, good good first order. Did hats, did some hoodies, did some other things. Uh, love the way it came out really good. I know everybody that picked theirs up from me was like, man, this is a high quality. Yeah, yeah it, it looks sharp. Yeah, it's really good. I've washed this shirt a couple of times. It's not, you know, none of the screen printing's coming off or anything. It's it's really good. So yeah. uh yeah, I was glad to get that done. It was expensive though. It was, man, that was a process. <laughs> that was a pain in the butt. I don't know, you know, I have to I have to start hiring people to do that stuff for me. You're the only duck site i know you can say this now the only duck site that has your own apparel yeah i mean you know it's all about branding right that's the name of the game these days brand yourself we got a scoop duck podcast now which i didn't ever envision myself doing i mean it's all about branding branching out yeah it's a strange world we live in having fun having fun (laughs) making all the effort uh there's so many things I want to talk about today, but we're doing great on time. Yeah. Uh, five games yes. and lock it in. Which yeah. one do you want to do first? Uh, let's do five games. Okay. I actually like that segment myself. Okay. Five games. So... Pac-12 heavy for me this week. Me too. I I have so many questions after that USC-Stanford game. Yep. I have both of those games on here. Uh, USC-BYU. Yep. That's Saturday, 1230. Yep. I think USC wins. Yes. But it's still Clay Helton's USC. Right. With a true freshman QB. I mean, BYU, uh, they pushed Utah. I mean, they were they were good in the early opener. They First half, that was close. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good game. And I, and I, I do think Utah's a much better team than USC. The problem for BYU is if you if you don't have the defensive backs to slow down their receivers, it's it can make for a long day. They are just I mean USC is so gifted at wide receiver. Yeah. Um. You know, really that. You know, hiring Graham Harrell was. I I don't think it makes them a perennial contender, but I think right now it makes the best use of their personnel. I and, agree. And I guess that might be what keeps Clay Helton at USC for another year, even though. Swan got 86 already. I agree. Uh, 20 years ago, schematically, if you had great receivers on your team, you would want to run the West Coast offense. Yeah. You would want to get those receivers moving horizontally. Now, if you have great receivers on your team and you want to build around those guys, run the air raid. Yeah. Because you get to stretch the field always, right. horizontally, vertically. You get to do everything. And what we saw in the second half in L.A. on Saturday – First half, not so much. Right. Second half, seam passes started opening up. Deep strikes started opening up. Getting those post routes, uh, getting the safeties to make the wrong play on the ball. Sure. When you have receivers like USC has, it makes it a lot easier. They pro- they they might have the best receiver group in the country. Yes. I mean, they legitimately could. They're, they're definitely top three, top five easily. And, uh, yeah, you know, the other thing is if you don't have – a very good offensive line which i don't think usc does you know again takes a little bit of pressure off them you know they're asked to maybe make a chip block instead of having to hold their man for three or four seconds right uh and then again you start opening up the run game because all of a sudden the safeties are dropping back and the linebackers are you know already on their heels getting ready to go back so um i think it's effective use of their personnel but again when i i think they meet teams and it's really hard to say this after Stanford, but I think when they meet, meet some truly physical teams, which I know Stanford's have been, I just don't know that they are this year. You know, the Utahs, the Oregons, maybe the Washingtons per se, I think they'll be able to kind of control them a little bit more. 
And that game was a tale of two halves, which yeah. brings me to my second game. I have Stanford UCF just because yep. if Stanford is bad, yep. I need to see them be bad again. I just don't trust that they're really that down. They are like much like Oregon State in the fact that they always lose an early season game. Yeah. I mean, just like you're kind of like, huh? You, I mean, Stanford always struggles well, or, early. Oregon State loses every game. Well, they do now. It didn't used to be the case. <laughs> Oregon State used to kind of be a team you didn't want to play in, in November, December. Now you don't care. To, you play them whenever. It doesn't matter. Um, but for Stanford, they've, they've always kind of had that tendency of an early season loss and then, you know, gotten going about the middle of the season. Towards the end of the season, you don't want to play them anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I personally, I still don't think UCF's that good. I think they're better than Stanford. I think they're going to win. Right. Um, but like you said, I think this really kind of gives us, you know, you hate to go off one game. You like to have multiple games for a sample size. That's why, you know, I'm not ready to go too far one way on Oregon. You know, the loss to Auburn, yeah, okay, it was tough. Huge win over Nevada, okay, it was Nevada. Where are we at? Where are we really at? Not that not that Montana's going to show us anything. No. It's, it's not. No. But uh, same with Stanford. You know, you, you, I, I just don't think they were ready for USC. I mean, I don't think they were ready for that offense, um, and, and I think it caught them. Yeah. Third game, I haven't seen Arizona State play well yet this year. No. But they haven't lost yet this year. So you never know. And, and they, they beat Michigan State last year. I like Herm Edwards, as crazy as that sounds. I'm going to watch that game on Saturday. Yeah, I didn't put that one down. That's the first one. I, and I did look at it. And I looked at that one. And I thought, I think Michigan State's going to run the ball all over them, and it's going to be ugly early. Right. But I do like the freshman quarterback down there, Jaden Daniels, a guy Oregon looked at, you know, maybe should have looked at bringing in a little more seriously. But, um, yeah, I just I just think that they're physically uh, outmatched by Michigan State. I didn't write that one down, but it's a good game. And then uh, two more, one more Pac-12 game. Hawaii right now leading the Pac-12 if yep. they were in the Pac-12. Right. I, I, I want to see this Hawaii offense against Washington. Yep, I have that one too. Uh, I mean, I'll, you know, I would have to say I probably have Washington on, on this list most weeks uh, just because as an Oregon media you know talking to Oregon fans they're always going to have a, an interest in what Chip Kelly's doing and what Washington's doing you know let's face it and uh yeah Hawaii's 2-0 and against the Pac-12 right now wins over Arizona and Oregon State clearly you know two of the lower you know level teams of the Pac-12 but I love Nick Rolovich I love his offense I, I think he was a great hire back then he's brought a lot of energy and juice back into recruiting I know he's made the islands a priority there which I think are paying off for him. That was something that they got away from. A lot of talent there. A lot of talent there. I mean, just if you're there, you could spend so much more time. I mean, for Oregon or for Cal or you, anybody to get down there to see that talent, you're spending an entire day, you know, and that's, and you probably only get to see a couple of schools because you got to go island to island. Right. If you're down there, you may as well mine the heck out of that thing because you're, going to be able to see more guys than anybody else and to take this back to our, our conversation earlier about keith brown and in-state guys mm -hmm. and the ducks making an effort with the in-state guys hawaii for a good stretch five ten years everybody there wanted to play for hawaii oh yeah they wanted to play in that fun run and shoot oh man run and gun yeah that mattered to them yeah no it did it did and they and they did i think you know, Miami made a, a, a terrible decision um, a couple years ago with under Al Golden. They stopped recruiting 
South Florida. Like, why in the, why, in the, why would you ever do that? Why? Yeah, it was yeah. stupid. Everybody's <laughs> looking, what are you doing? The most dominant teams in the history of college football. Get seven, all from yeah. Miami-Dade County. Yeah, I mean, literally 75% of your talent should come from like three counties of where you live. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think there was a little bit there where USC kind of got away from recruiting, um, SoCal as well as they should have, which has opened the door for Oregon and Washington, in my opinion. Um, you know, UCLA clearly hasn't capitalized, but back to the point, Hawaii said, Hey, we're going to make effort to, to bring in as, as many guys locally as we can make it work. Um, you know, make that a priority. And I think that's paying off. You start doing that and then you get a couple other pieces along the way. It, it reminds me of what Oregon State used to do back in the day when Oregon State was successful. Right. Getting a lot of guys from the Northwest. Mm-hmm. They, right. would, they would get a lot of guys that everybody else overlooked that seem to be going to Washington State now. That's what Wazoo's doing really well. Getting a lot of the Northwest guys that, ever, you know, okay, Washington, Oregon, you guys go ahead and battle it out. I'll just get these next guys and, and coach them up. Right. You know, or make them fit in my system. Right. Um, you know, I think they're doing that really well. Um, so... Let's see, you had three of my five. Yeah, you had uh, Stanford, UCF, USC, BYU. Well, I still have one more. Oh, you do have one more. I think I have one more, okay. unless I miscounted. I don't remember. Florida State, Virginia. That was one of mine, too. I just, it's not going to be good. Nope. Florida State sucks this year. Yeah. Virginia is not a world beater. I'm not the biggest Bronco Mendenhall fan. No. But It's boring football. It is boring football. Yeah. I just care about this game because I wonder if... They start 0-3 in Tallahassee. Right. When are they going to pull the plug on Willie Taggart? I think it's this week. Yeah. I mean, so they did beat UL Monroe, so he did get the win. They beat UL Monroe? Yeah. I. Wow. Yeah. I. I, I you, no, you're right. You're right. They beat UL like, Monroe. It was like 44-45 or something I, stupid. I counted that as a moral loss. Well, no, Just, that is a moral loss. Yeah, no question. Bad. No, it's stupid. Like, I mean, I was looking at my phone at the game. I'm like... Where the hell is UL Monroe from? Like, what the right. hell? Who? Who? I mean, who are these guys? Who are these guys? You know, and so uh, talk, yeah, talk about Florida recruiting. I, Florida I, State shouldn't lose to anybody in no, September. No, I mean you're talking about two completely different talent level teams, and you know there was, I don't know if you've seen the memes. You've got the one wide receiver lined up backwards. That was the funniest play I've ever seen. That one's funny, where the receivers literally um, for Florida State lined up facing the wrong direction. Like I don't even know how that's possible. It's a bad Madden glitch, right? No, exactly. And then and then there was the other. Uh, it was a gif or a short video, or whatever. Of uh, it was one of the scramble plays, and the quarterback's running around, and there's like six offensive linemen just standing watching. And he gets sacked by his own guy. Right. Then he gets sacked by his own guy. Uh. The only guy that was moving sacked him. <laughs> but then you go look in the middle of the field; they're all standing there watching him. It's like, oh my word. And and then Willie Taggart after the game is saying, "We need a hydration coach." Right. Are you kidding me? Right. They needed a hydration coach, and clearly they needed Jim Levitt. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's going to go over well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not picking on Jim Levitt or anything there. That's just two explosive personalities. And, I mean, I, I get at this point Jim was probably wanting to get back into coaching, so I understand that part, but you're walking into the Titanic. You're literally boarding the ship that's the thing. as it's taking on water. That's the thing. I mean, you know they have a defensive coordinator who is not under contract next year. Right. So he's looking at Jim Levitt over his shoulder. Right. Jim Levitt's going to want to steal his job. Right. There's no reason Jim Levitt is going to come back to just be a friendly little consultant. Right. Jim wants a big seat. Yeah. I, I do not like that situation. I in mean, if, if, if he wanted Mario's job, there's no doubt he's going to be put. Well, maybe he thinks he's going to get Willie's job when that's done. 
Maybe that's the play. Well, good luck with that. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's a, that's probably a stretch for him. Yeah. If you if you couldn't get the Oregon job, I don't see you getting the Florida FSU State job. FSU has such deep pockets. I know people. Oh, there's no way to pay Willie's buyout. Blah blah blah. FSU has deep deep pockets, people. So if they want Willie gone, and right now, unfortunately, I don't want to say unfortunately, but right now there is a media shitstorm circling <laughs> Tallahassee. Unless Willie can win out, I don't know that he's going to be able to turn that thing around. It's funny to me because I think Oregon media and and the Oregon fan base, I don't think we hit that point until the very end, right? When he yeah. when he comes out and he says, I'm thinking about Boise State and I'm focused on Las right. Vegas Bowl and he's got that grin from ear to ear like everybody right. in the world knows you're talking to the Seminoles right now. Right. That was the moment I think people turned on Willie, but we didn't have Willie Taggart long enough for everybody to turn on him. No, they've they've turned on Willie Taggart. Down oh, there. Ne- that's the thing. You you know it's it's when the lynch mob starts coming after you. If you're in sports, you're in deep shit. Yeah. I mean, period. You know that they're once they've decided that you are not worthy. It's just week after week of. I mean, even if Willie wins out, the next <laughs> they're going to pick things apart. Like, well, okay, yeah. But you, you lost to Boise State. Yeah, you lost to Boise State. You, you needed a last second to beat UL Monroe, of all teams. Virginia is probably going to pound the dog crap out of them this week because as, as boring as it is, Bronco Mendenhall is a very sound and disciplined coach. Yes. And, uh, you know, that, that game's up at Virginia. Um, you know, so and they're ranked number 25 right now. Virginia is. I, don't, yeah. I mean, so they're a good team. They're not a great team, but they're a good team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think Willie, Willie's got his hands full this week. It's just... Once that snowball starts, man, it is, and I'm not even just talking about Willie Taggart. I mean, we've seen it with other coaches. Once it, I mean, you know, I, I just like I can't believe Clay Helton survived last year with the way the the snowball got going on him. I can't believe Clay Helton outlived his G, his uh, AD. Right, and that's the only reason he did survive is because Lynn Swan was in charge. Yeah, yeah, that's the only reason he survived. So you said I had four out of five. Yeah, you had four of mine. The only one, other one I have is Wazoo versus Houston. Ooh, I thought about that game. And well, okay, so I did it for two reasons. First off, I want to see just how good Wazoo really is. Right. And secondly, it's a Friday game, so it doesn't interfere with Saturday. It's a game you can watch, you know. So I try and I try and keep the schedule in mind. That one's Friday, six fifteen, on ESPN. Uh, you know, Saturday, you know, we've got Stanford at UCF, which is twelve thirty on ESPN. Got USC at BYU on ABC at twelve thirty, so those coincide. And then Hawaii at Washington at 4.30 on the Pac-12 network, which means nobody's going to get to watch it. <laughs> and then FSU at Virginia on at 4.30 uh, on the ACC network, which I bet more Pac-12 fans have than the Pac-12 network. I was just going to ask that question. Of food for thought, are more people going to watch ACC network at 4.30 or Pac-12 network at 4.30? Yeah. No, I would imagine, yeah, it's. I get ACC Network. That's I don't. Dep- I don't depressing. think I've ever turned it on, but I get it. That's depressing. I, yeah, it's it's a, it's awful, it's awful. Uh, we don't even need to get into that. But no, so there's some football games. Hopefully, you guys like. I like doing that segment because I like talking about stuff other than just Oregon. A right. little, just kind of break it up. Well, a week like this again. Yeah, the Ducks are going to kill Montana. Yeah, I mean, we can give you score predictions. I mean, Vegas has this as a 35 point game. Yeah. Or. 35 and a half or it, whatever it started i think 37 at chinook winds they're on the coast yeah have you gone there yet i haven't mm. no 
I, I haven't either because Lincoln City is tough for us it's down tough. here. It's that's yeah. a ways, but it, yeah. I want to go. I, I want to go. I'm and I'm not that big of a sports gambler where I put it at the top of my list of must of things to do. You know, I mean, it's something that I, you know, if if we end up that way, sure, I'll pop in there, maybe, you know, throw some prop bet down or something crazy. But um, yeah, I can't justify me taking a whole day to go there and back or stay overnight or whatever to, to make a sports bet. So. Not to mention, you can really, I mean, you could do it online anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're that into betting, sports betting, which I know people are, I just, I don't understand enough of the rules to probably do it, and I don't really feel like just giving my money to somebody else, <laughs> which is what I feel like I would do. It cracks me up, because I've always said I'm a bad gambler, and that doesn't mean I have a gambling, gambling problem. Right. It means I have a winning problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't win. I don't win, yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not really much of a gambler. I go to Vegas or whatever, and maybe I'll gamble 20 bucks or something. I mean, it's just not – I mean, I get more from it for – I could get more from my 20 bucks from drinking than I can from gambling. So That's true. Yeah, that's just the way I go with it. Mm. Hey, speak about drinking. So you were at the Ducks game last week. Yeah. That tap selection they have at Autzen now is pretty fine. It's good. It's good. And, you know, one of the different things, obviously that was the first home game. You know, I don't know if fans have caught on yet, but there's – uh, drinking sections and non-drinking sections now that you can get into. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I guess that maybe makes it a little better. There was, uh, we had in our particular section, we had an alcohol monitor that came, came through, I don't know, every 10 to 15 minutes or so just walking by. And, and so, I mean, I, you know, I was fine. I had like a beer and like a half a beer. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I was normal. Um, right. They're not going to kick you out. Yeah, no. I mean, there were some <laughs> some guys around me that definitely had more than one and a half, no question. But I, I didn't. It didn't change the experience for me. I know it. It can and has for some. Um, I know it's becoming some a bit of a polarizing topic. You know, having beer or not having beer. But I would imagine that they're generate generating enough revenue from that that it's probably not ever going to go away, unless it becomes a major, major issue. I think that's the first takeaway. And I said this last year when they started this policy. I think we, we talked about it on the podcast. I'll say it again. If you keep fans in the stands, yeah, even if they're they're drinking a little more during the game, during the actual action, it, it, it seems counterintuitive, but I think it's safer because oh, yeah. you're, you're A, um, keeping that guy in the seat right so he's not going to go back to his car and then get the crazy idea in his head to drive off at halftime right um the second thing is just you can control the intake yeah you know a lot of fans had that routine uh for for the last few years of i'll leave my seat at halftime go back to my car and pound something hard and then you're just hammered right 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 well at least now you got your wallet telling you no. You've got your your legs telling you don't get up, go, don't leave your seat, walk across Otson. You got your bladder telling you, hey, I don't want to use the public restrooms there in the stadiums. You got all sorts of right. incentives to not go crazy now. Well, and you know a lot of people go out to their RV at halftime or whatever and get a real real drink. You know, and that's a whole different scenario than having a beer or whatever. But yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm. You know, I enjoy having a beer in the stadium, but I can also enjoy it responsibly and i know that there's some people that get going and you know these like a 7 7 45 kickoff game you know that changes things you oh, know yeah. and last week was 4 30 so it's later in the afternoon you know by 12 o'clock you're probably not going to run into too many people that are you know uh, already totally oblivious to what's going on oh, just me 
Yeah. Just me, it. my friends. That's yeah. that's about it. Just came to party. <laughs> so no, uh anyways, yeah. Second so we got uh Montana this week. Uh you know, I guess really I mean, I, Oregon's going to cover the spread, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll save that for uh, Lock It In. Oh, covering the spread? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that, was, that was my Lock It In this week. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, there, there's your Lock It In. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. No, 37-5 at Chinook wins to, to start the week. I think that's just too easy. Yeah. You, you just beat Nevada by... 71 71 points yeah. right yeah and and i think nevada is a better team than montana Probably. i think montana has good players i think they have good coaching um that's a a high caliber fcs program year in year out but the speed of the oregon defense yeah that has been the most impressive thing to me through two weeks they fly on the back seven they do guys are just locked into where's the football yeah and I think that that's going to be way too much for Montana. I think you'll see some turnovers. You'll see some big plays. Yeah. Our guy, Javon Holland, he's going to do his thing like he does every Saturday. And I have the Ducks easily covering that spread. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that on that front that Oregon will cover the spread. Um, you know, I do think that Montana will score more than six points that, like Nevada did. I think they'll score more points because they're a little better offensively. But they're going to end up being like some kind of like big plays, like it's you know it's going to get tipped and the guy's going to just you know what I mean, just like right. some weird plays where you're right. like, oh okay. Well, to put it in perspective, um, Montana might have ten players that could play at Oregon. Yeah, Oregon has a whole team of guys that would be the best player on Montana. Right, right. No, no question. There's no question of the talent difference. So yeah, I'm with you. 35, 37 and a half points, whatever you name it. Oregon's going to cover the spread. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, For Oregon's offense, more pass yards or more rush yards this week? Ooh, that's a good question. Because I know that like you were pointing out, first quarter woes for Herbie last week. I loved the second quarter adjustment. Oh yeah, I, I thought that they aired it out and they just got in rhythm. Like it was one of those weeks. You see this in basketball a lot, where a shooter gets hot yeah. and he just can't miss. And and I thought that was the case for Justin Herbert in the second quarter. Uh, some of those lobs, some of the float touch passes, those are NFL throws. Right. And and he was nailing them. So I have to go passing yards. More pass yards. Yeah. So yeah, because they had way more pass yards than <laughs> rush yards last week. I think it was closer to like four hundred to two hundred. Yeah. And those are just, I'm just rounding off, but that was about where the numbers were at. Now that said. If they get off to the same kind of start they had, let's say it's 35-6 at half or, or close, maybe Mario puts Tyler Shuck in to start the second half, yeah. gives him two more quarters, yeah. and maybe the Ducks are a little more focused on the ground game. That's the biggest, That's the best thing that happened against Nevada is the fact that all those young players, uh, young players, second, second string, third string players got to play. Right. Just absolutely so invaluable for yeah. them to get live action snaps, you get the jitters out. You're in a big stadium for the first time. Whatever, the, just get that all out. You know, even if you have a bad quarter, doesn't matter. They didn't. They didn't have a bad quarter. But, no. You know, it's still it's it's great to get those guys out there. I think if you can do it a second time, not only do you have the jitters out, now you start building confidence. You know, yeah. now you now maybe you get a young guy that, that that didn't get as many snaps, and he's successful in this second game or you know his his second uh, time of action. That's absolutely invaluable as you enter the Pac-12 play. That's a pivotal aspect to all this. You mm -hmm. you hit on getting confidence, building confidence. 
I think a lot of quarterback play is confidence. Oh, yeah. Because you have to be the guy that everyone else in the locker room looks towards. Right. And Tyler Shuck can believe in himself. And, and he can believe that he can do it, but I think it means a lot more when he has a performance like he did last week, showing everybody what he can do. If Shuck comes in in relief and has another game like that, to me that just cements him in the years ahead as the dude. Well, that's I, I think the, the point I want to make on that with, with you is in particular with Tyler Shuck is, you know, heaven forbid anything happens to Justin Herbert – you don't want his first snaps to be against Washington or Wazoo no. in a big third down or fourth down situation, like thrust him into the fire. You want him to, to build up to that moment. Sure. And, you know, maybe you put him out there and, you know, if his numbers, you know, his numbers called against Washington for whatever reason in a few weeks, um, at least at that point, you know, maybe that first series is a little rough, but he's already, you know, he's settled in and he's already had some live snaps. He's more comfortable with the offense. You know, I like the way Oregon practices. I know that their second and third string guys get a lot of snaps with the ones. They just work everybody in. You know, that's invaluable when it comes to game time. So it's not just like, oh, crap, I've never played with, you know, C.J. Verdell before. Right. I mean, you know, you, there's a better familiarity there. So, no, I I, uh, I actually think Oregon's going to have more rush yards this week. I okay. think I think they're going to go back to the ground. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see them air it out early. And I'd like to see them make some big plays. You know, this is another defense that may. I don't know if they're going to watch what Nevada did because they're a similar three-three-five defense. I don't know if they're going to watch what Nevada did and really try and buckle down on Jacob Breland and, and Ryan Bay and Brady Aiello and whoever's playing tight end because that's what, what the killer was for, for Nevada was letting that tight end go through the seam there. Um, How about Brady Aiello? Love it, man. That was so yeah. fun. Yeah, fat, fat, fat guy touchdowns are the best <laughs> at, at any level. At, I mean, so I mean, you can see it. Uh, you know, Addison or Verdell or whoever gets a touchdown, and you know, and they and then they get a couple guys that come and celebrate like, "Hey, good job," you know. And it's not because they're not liked or anything. It's just yeah, Brady Aiello gets it, and the whole team's over there. Yeah. I mean, there's 15 people around him, and everybody's jumping around. Like they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they celebrate their Heisman's and their Peisman's yeah, in Oregon. That's the difference with a fat guy touchdown. It's just it just means that much more. Yeah, I love it. So no, I love seeing and Brady. You know, Brady's been a hard worker. He's a guy that's been in and out of the lineup. You know, as a starter, not a starter, getting pushed out of that position and taking it like a champ. You know, just doing everything he can to help the team, make the team better, be a contributor. You, you love to see a guy like that earn, you know, the spotlight, even if it's just for a few minutes. Right. I mean, much deserved. Right. So more rush yards and pass yards this week. Is that your lock it in? That's my lock it in. Oregon will have more rush yards than pass yards this week. I think they're going to get back to the ground and pound a little bit. And I just think that they want that to, to be the staple and not it let it get away from what they like to do. Now, I know last week they opened it up more. I think they're going to wrangle it back and say, "Hey, don't forget, this is our, you know, this is our staple here." So um, that's my prediction. I'm sure there will be some plays that fans go, you know, come on, throw the ball a little more. But it's Montana. It's yeah. it's never going to be in doubt. And I just thought of this: they might. You never want to work ahead, and and coaching staffs will never admit to this stuff. They'll never say, right. "Oh, we're looking past Montana, no. and we're looking at the Pac-12 slate." You know, that's got to be kind of churning in their minds though of let's get a lead and then let's hold the lead and not show David Shaw too much. Yeah, there, there will be that, but I also think there will be, uh, you know, maybe a couple things they try just to see, 
you know, if it's successful or not, so they can determine whether to use it later on down the road. Probably be small wrinkles, simple things that none of us will really notice, but something that they might, you know, throw in there. But again, I think they're going to get back to running the ball a lot, um, you know, keep the game in play for Justin Herbert, keep it simple. And like you said, I just, I hope, I hope we see Tyler Shuck out there a bunch. I just, I would love to see more of that. I've been a huge Tyler Shuck fan since before the spring game. I came out of that an even bigger fan. I've been nothing. I've all I've said the whole time is when Justin Herbert's time is done, Tyler Shuck's going to be very capable quarterback for Oregon. And I just, uh, the more experience he gets this year, the better that sets Oregon up next year. I'm right there with you. Rooting for Shuck to have a big Saturday. Rooting for the Ducks and uh, rooting for Dante Olsen, though, too. Yeah, Oh, I mean, always for an, uh, for an Oregon kid. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Great Never, story. Especially Southern Oregon for us. But, yeah, any Oregon kid. You love to see them have success anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. Just other, other than Washington. <laughs> uh, not not extending the same regards to Elijah Molden. Right. I see. Yeah, no, I don't. I have no. I, he's a great man. He was such a great kid. He's a great kid. Uh, wonderful to talk to, and uh, you know, I think he's he's a, he's definitely one. He's definitely one that stings as far as you know, Oregon letting get away or, those, or watching get away. Those two classes, man, that, that was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. Well, it's brutal, especially when you had that kind of talent, and then what you recruited was much lesser than that yeah you know so when I mean, you could have found it in your backyard yeah and uh yeah that just really it just you know extra salt in the wound you know if you will that that was a brutal brutal few years as Oregon. i can't imagine starting scoop duck at that time and hoping that it would take off because i'm not sure it would have those were some dark days yeah all right well i think we we covered all the bases i wanted to tackle this week do you have anything else you want to hit on no, I mean, the big news, I, I mean, if anybody's listening to that point, I mean, I guess we could talk about Devin Williams. I talked about him on the on the, on the the site. You know, I just, I mean, one of the things I heard my old Chris Paul talk about, uh, uh, what's today, today's Thursday, so Wednesday, Wednesday, in his post-practice interviews was always having, uh, you know, an opening for transfers and always actively looking at transfers. Um, you know, I think a lot of, I think the media there were trying to maybe you know, hint at Devin Williams because the news came out just before practice ended. Um, you know, Cristobal might not have even known about it at that point, but um, I know Oregon was, you know, left at the altar there with that one. It's just, it's, it's the, and Cristobal said it, it's becoming like NFL free agency in college football, the, yeah. the transfer portal. And it does, I'm not just saying that because of Devin Williams, it legitimate. it's really pretty crazy all the transfers mm -hmm. um but like he said you got to keep a spot open you got to watch for those guys i mean you never know i mean you got to look at it like okay why didn't it work out where they were at before okay well you know why wasn't devin williams starting he was a guy that you know highly highly ranked out of high school you know was he was he a bad teammate you got to go find these things out um it's not just as simple as oh he's a good player let's bring him on you bring him on how does that hurt you in recruiting 2020 wide receivers you know does that scare off a guy like logan loya or somebody else or does it make johnny wilson have second thoughts you don't know you've got to find these things out before you just say yep let's get devin williams right. you know it's just it's just not that simple i wish it was that simple it's it's just not so um there's that uh official visitor this weekend um braden swinson's coming to town out of georgia defensive end i like him a lot i, I know he doesn't have like the major major offers but uh, you know, very much reminds me of like a Gus Cumberlander kind of guy, you know, real long and, and lanky and can move. Um, you know, I, I, and that's the only official visitor this weekend. 
Uh, there's a few other unofficial visitors which I've posted on the site, so hopefully you guys go read that and check that out. But otherwise, I think that's a wrap, man. I yeah. don't know. Bas- basketball schedule came out today. Basketball schedule came out. Yeah. yeah. No, that was good. Um, I don't think there's any reason for us to go over that too much. I mean, we'll, we'll get into basketball definitely as it inches a little bit closer and closer. We got time. Going to be an interesting season there. We say this every week, and I think it's something to consider. When, when you got like 85 different duck podcasts out there. Yeah. I've always thought your niche at Scoop Duck and something that we try to theme the pod around, football. Yeah, football. Football's king. Yeah, year-round, and it's year-round, okay? I mean, the season's done. Okay, there's football recruiting that we can talk about. Right. And then, you know, there's a football recruiting dead period. Okay, guess what? That's like February to March. Basketball's king February to March. You know, you're you're into March Madness, and so that's a perfect time for us to be basketball-heavy there. And that doesn't mean that we don't like those sports. I love watching Oregon softball. Yeah. I love watching Dana Altman in March and what he molds – for Oregon basketball, yeah, uh, Kelly Graves, yep, probably one of, one of my favorite guests, favorite people that I've met through this pod and following that team. Love watching them, but I love football. Well, there's a time and a place for it, right? There's no sense in talking about that now when people are are heavily focused on football, rightfully so, right? But yeah, we go talking about it in February, March, and it's definitely the you know it's the it's the hot topic, and that it makes sense, and then. By that time, you go right back into April, and guess what happens in April? Recruiting. And, well, and football. Yeah. And you got spring Spring ball. game. Yeah, you got spring ball. So, I mean, football's year-round. It's the it's the king. I know people talk other pause, talk about track and some other things, but we're going to stay football-heavy. We'll do some, do some of the other ones and bring them in. We always have great guests. I know we didn't have one this week, but it's nice to take a, a week off. It's it's hard work to get the guests on. and No doubt, man. That. But, yeah, so it was good to just kind of wrap a little bit here and have a couple call-ins and – I don't know. We'll just keep we'll just keep plugging along. Ducks win, ducks win. Thanks for listening and let's talk Pac-12 next week. Thanks for listening everybody. I can do this now.